Gaming and BS episode 114, Chain of Command in RPGs. Welcome to Gaming and BS, tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you here. All right. Oh, where my notes go? So we're recording a little bit earlier because I am heading up to the uh, the great north of uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to try to go slay some animals. So Sean and I are a little bit early on the recording schedule, but we'll be back to our usual slack-ass time after this. But hey. it's, Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Right. Whew. Announcements now we're like post game hole. We, we need to go back to Alex and uh, see if we can get him to sponsor us again for next year. Otherwise, we kind of sponsorless. I feel sad. Yeah, have to do that. S- have to see if we uh, see if you'll let us back in the door after that thing we did. What <laughs> Sean's looking at me like, what did you do, Brad? <laughs> Tear up a hotel room or something? No, oh, it wasn't real bad. I mean, I'm I'm sure he can hide a body or two. He's a lawyer. He's fine. Anyway, the only announcement I have is my uh, my eternal quest to have more BSers um, run some games, show up, and hang out at Evercon. Uh, depending on uh, schedule, Sean might be able to make it. We're not sure. Um, first part of January, uh, Evercon.org. Go check it out. Hopefully, we can see some folks there. It should be a good time. Uh, if nothing else, come hang out with me, and you've got an opportunity to, to uh, talk to Ken Height and some other cool people like that. So that should be fun. Any announcements on your side, Sean? Uh, no, uh, no, no? uh, okay. no. Yes. Yes. I changed. I updated the Patreon levels. Oh, that's right. You did. I did. Uh, goals. And I got rid of some levels. Okay. Um, yeah. Like we had one out there that was like $300 level and the goofy advertising spiel. And I'm like, ah, so now I think why, why problem? Why let people have a thing we'd never deliver anyway? That just seems silly. Well, that's true. Um, but now I think we have um, some of the goals we have are are they more attainable or should we be should I be afraid? Well, yes, you should be afraid. Okay, um, but let me see. I'm um, so at seventy five dollars, which we are only seven dollars away from on a per podcast episode. Uh, Brett will go an entire show without swearing <laughs> or, or also, also known as Sean has to edit the crap out of an episode, making me angry at Brett for oh, well, swearing. I can see that. Uh, what, what, what else do we have? A hundred hours. Um, we'll go to, we'll go target shooting, uh, oh. Hunter versus army vet, uh, go toe to toe, see who is better, a better shot. Uh, and we'll record the video. Makes sense. That works. Uh, at 150, uh, we'll record a session of us playing an RPG and release it as an actual play audio session or sessions. Uh, find out how much of our show is true rhetoric. Oh, I see. Uh, 200 level, uh, we'll write an RPG adventure scenario and release it in PDF format to you. Who knows? Maybe it will have a train as a plot device. I like it. I like everything about it. Uh, a thousand bucks. I put this one way up there. Now we may throw some in there in between this and the 200, but uh, (laughs) a thousand bucks an episode. 
which is four <laughs> grand a month. That's a lot. That's a lot. Which is enough for somebody to almost live on, I think, for the most. I mean, a lot of people to live on because I know a lot of people are making less than that in the U.S. But Brett will shave his face, <laughs> which he he's what are you going on twenty plus years? Yeah, I have to be. I mean, we're talking clean shaven, right? I mean, I get to keep the eyebrows, but otherwise, it'd be yeah, a oh, mustache yeah. go. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> okay. I should stipulate we're not shaving Brett's eyebrows. We're no, 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 that's not happening. Yeah, I have, uh, I have not been clean shaven for well over twenty years. Um, just imagine if Wayne the Ewok shaves. That's probably what Brett would look like. Oh, <laughs> nice. So if we, you, we don't, we we don't have it where I shoot you though. There has to be a shoot Sean in the head with an arrow I or something. Not we have put, to, I did not put the arrow shooting one up there yet. That has to get in there. We got to uh, figure out where that's at. Yeah. I've been working on a technique. I think I can. Uh, I think I can clean an arrow off. Your, uh, excuse me, an apple off your head. I think I can do that pretty easily now. Yeah, I think we'll be. I think we'll be good, as long as you don't move or breathe. Real I just hard. wonder what it'll be like. Uh, what the show will be like after that happens. Well, it depends how much brain damage you suffer from the glancing blow. I'm sure it'll be fine. Nothing could go wrong. I, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I yeah. Pretty pretty stoked about all this. Sweet. So anything I, else for announcements? No, I do I don't believe I have any other thing to announce. Awesome. All right. So let's get in random encounter. Do it. Random encounter. This is a segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. We should probably kind of you know not go too far into this yet, Brett, because we may have some listeners that have never heard of us before that may be tuning into a regular episode for the first time today. Good point. Um, and the reason we say that is because of the game whole piece. Um, I've had some people not ever listen to us that are now picking it up for the first time. So, well, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome to the show. Yes, welcome to the show. And uh, this is the random encounter section, which you already described. Right, I did. Which we do every show. Well, and have forever. Maybe we should just say, hey, we we every week we put this out. Yep. So Brett and I typically record on Sunday evenings at seven o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time, and then that allows me a little bit enough time in case I have to edit or do anything to put it out on the web, which drops at noon on Tuesdays, Central American time. Uh, don't ask me the GMT. I don't know all that stuff. I think we're like at six hours. Now we have daylight savings time. That screws all that up too. Dude, I can't fucking do math, so I have no idea what, what you're talking about there. All I know is I get on at the same time every Sunday and I record. Yep, and we on. drop it every Tuesday. We've been doing that for the last, you know, 100 and some episodes. Correct. Um, if you are a Patreon, um, which I also updated, is that we are – we are get, we if, if I get done with the show – um, I post it to Patreon as soon as I'm done editing it. Um, typically, I mean, that could be, you know, up to noon on Tuesday or it could be sooner. Typically it's sooner because I, I'm always wanting to be consistent when we drop our show. We don't have a, you don't have a lot of editing to do. I mean, we don't, um, we did at one time, but we've kind of said, screw that stuff now. Exactly. Um, so, you know, podcatcher, you can find us on Android. You can find us on iTunes. If you go to gamingnbs.com, there are links to those particular RSS feeds, including a regular RSS feed. If you're a Patreon, 
they actually have an RSS feed that you can use strictly for Patreon. So you're a patron oh, of the nice. show, you use that RSS feed. So when I drop it, you will get that update in your podcatcher, which is nice. Um, and the Patreon cash goes to things like, you know, Mike's time. Um, when we had the uh, social hour at Gamehole Con, that, uh, that helps to fund that stuff. And then when Sean and I need to get to a con, trying to use that to make sure we've got wireless mics we run back and forth and just the, the time spent to get all that stuff done. So it's not... It's not a get rich quick scheme by any means. I think uh I think we're still in the red. I think we're still still in the red. Yeah, yeah. I think we're still some kind of upside down anything. Sean has some expensive taste in gear. He does. It's good gear though. It's good gear. Um yeah, I think it, we're recording out of Madison, Wisconsin for the most part. Brett's a little bit further west of that. Correct. Um if you don't know much about us, uh Brett and I used to to hang together. We used to work at the same place. I was a recruiter, helped land Brett as a diva candidate. It was, it was not easy. Oh it my was God. not easy. This freaking guy's like, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want green M&Ms with all the M's up uh, facing up. And I'm like, yes. come on, man. You're like working for a corporation here. You're not a rock to star. Sh- to, sh- to Sean's credit though, I did get, I did get M&Ms. They weren't all green, but it was pretty good. Uh, and we started talking about gaming because he noticed I was a gamer. I had my laptop, had this just in from Gen Con on my laptop. Mm-hmm. Brett asked if I was a gamer. Said, yeah. Then we started doing lunch together, bullshitting about RPGs that we were playing in our game group and all that. So I just said, hey, you want to do a podcast? Brett's like, sure. What do I need to do? I said, just show up and look pretty, even though nobody's going to see your face. <laughs> And can you talk, Brett? Yeah, I said, I think I can talk. I don't know. I'll try. I'll try. I promise. So I do okay on that spot. So that's it, I think, for the most part, right? For the most part, yeah. So we do a few segments. We'll introduce them uh, moving forward. But uh, welcome to the show. If you <clears throat> if you want to interact with us, we have communities on Google+. It's uh, pretty active. Uh, Facebook, we just put up a group. That's another announcement I should have probably, excuse me, I should have put, put out there. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we had a page before. A page is good for propagation of our info, but it doesn't really allow anybody else to post anything themselves. Correct. So we made a Facebook group, um, which we have out there at Gaming and BS. I don't remember the URL. Probably have to put that on our website somewhere. Um, so if you're on Facebook, that's there. Twitter, we're at, at Gaming and BS on Twitter. You can find us on any of those channels. Um yeah. Email? Email, GamingNBS. Uh, I actually have a different email. What is it? What I put? Feedback at GamingNBS.com? I think, I think that is correct. Yeah, we changed it. It used to be a Gmail address. Now we have our own domain address, emails. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Brett and I, we do have our separate accounts, but we really don't use them necessarily. Um, that, it's just, hey, you want to email one or the other, it just goes to that feedback at GamingNBS. It's just a big bucket. We kind of <laughs> big kinda bucket. Yes, big um, bucket of feedback. Right, that's one way. Or you can call the uh, gaming and BS hotline at nine two nine Big Dice. Oh yes, we do get occasional voicemails. They're every, fun to have. Every once in a while, we do get a voicemail, and that is certainly welcome. Um, you're welcome to comment on the main topic or whatever's on your mind. If you have topic suggestions, hit us up on any of those platforms. We would love to entertain 
your idea, comments, things of that nature. So, Brett, yep. did I miss anything? I don't, I think that summed it up pretty well. No, dude, I think that's about it. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the basics. All right, let's do random encounter from the top. Let's do it. All right, let's go. Here we go. Random encounter segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media. Um, we've got a few, some pretty decent lengthy ones this week, Brett, because we didn't do them last week. Yeah, well, I'll start with the first one, then we'll swap around here. So this is, comes from Gabe on Aging Characters. This is from episode 112. Hey, guys, interesting topic, quick thoughts. In Ultimate Campaign, Pathfinder has mechanics and guidelines for playing younger or young characters. However, this volume does not have much more than core book uh, to say on aging characters. I thought about this topic on more than one occasion. Content providers for Pathfinder, at least on the pages of the Pathfinder comic book, have at least <clears throat> on one occasion pointed to an oddity. Pathfinder's iconic characters, the wizard Ezrin, is significantly older than the other iconics, but not significantly more advanced in level. Though Pathfinder provides a table for average characters' wealth by level, it does not provide it it's like by age. Uh, moreover, level advancement traditionally calculated through experience points is only tangentially related to age. The assumption is that an older character has more time than a younger character to gain experience. However, the old timer who never left his river valley to kill anything larger or more dangerous than a white-tailed deer. Hey, hey, it's tricky to do. Just saying. Anyway, um, it would have never owned more coin than a few dozen copper. Languishes away at level one, while 15-year-old quote-unquote fighter wielding father's battle-worn longsword advances to level two through a dozen slain goblins and three hours of quote-unquote adventuring. I'm very attracted to the idea of crafting a table that specifies average character level by age. But, as is illustrated by the example above, this is counter to the rate of actual advancement through gameplay. The adventures I myself run tend to be as uh, frenetic as an Indiana Jones movie. My current PCs have advanced from levels 1 to 10, and I don't know, maybe on the high end, three months of campaign time has gone by. We've been playing for about two years now, four hours a week. With other systems, of course, these considerations are less problematic. Many systems allow players to create whatever kinds of characters they like, justifying their choices with point buys and good old-fashioned role-playing. And these are and these other systems seem to take into consideration something else that appears overlooked in D20 and perhaps OSR rule sets. Body types and lifestyles. Who cares how old a character is as long as the character concept is that she still is in peak physical condition, adhering to a daily regimen that is at odds with the other PCs who, let's say, abhors physical exercise and seeks out rich food and strong drink whenever and wherever he might find it. Well, interesting show, gentlemen, and now I might make that level by age table, perhaps a guide for my NPCs, if nothing else. You a game hole con. Gabe. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Gabe. <clears throat> I know the guys that misdirected Mark gave us a little bit shit with uh, Chris gave us the tongue in cheek. Well, you guys running out of topics? What the heck? Now it's Phil it's, said um, that. <laughs> the Phil said that yeah. one of them did, which is, I mean, those guys are awesome. You know, so that's funny I, though, because I was at, so th I, that struck a story with me um, okay. when I was at Gamehole Con and I was sitting in the open area where there's kind of concessions. It's really open. For those that have been there, they'll know what I'm talking about. But it's area, there's a concession stand and I'm sitting kind of a few feet from there. Just okay. hanging out, right? And one of the guys walked by and recognized the shirt I was wearing, which is where he where this person works. And then I realized who it was. His name's Zach. Um, I think he he did say he listens to the show, so shout out to to Zach, uh, MP. So uh, he sat down. We started talking. Another guy walks up, works at the same place. Knows Zach. Obviously, they work together. His name's Josh. 
So he says, yeah, I never heard you guys, you know, podcast, you know, what's that all about? Uh, they're both programmers. Um, and I said, well, Josh, uh, not that that's relevant to the story, but I said, well, you know, we're two guys. We bullshit on the air. Brett and Sean, it's double entendre. Just ask Bob for misdirected Mark. You will understand that and verify that. And, uh, but I said, you know, we, like one thing we brought up was like heroism. Um, we talked about it and I said, you know, it's kind of a topic that you probably wouldn't sit down and think of off the top of your head, but you know, we kind of bullshit around with it as if we were sitting around a table, just bringing up topics of RPGs and waxing over them. Right. So when Phil mentioned like, what do you guys run out of topic about, you know, whatever, it goes back to Josh. This Josh guy's like, well, you know, that's actually a decent, to- you know, that's really understandable because then you could talk about this and you could talk about that. And he just kind of went on with certain things like what is heroism. And so you basically, you found a replacement for Brett if I ever leave, basically is what you found right there. Well, I think he said, you know, there, there's a viable discussion there that can be, can, that can be brought up and elaborated on. And I thought, so when I heard Phil say that, I'm like, well, there's somebody out there that actually thinks like, like if I put out a topic out there, they'll be like, well, there's merit behind discussing that, uh, regardless of how popular it is, I guess. Well, even if, even if there's an idea we've, we've talked about like, um, gear and living gear, you know, henchmen, hirelings, horses right. and stuff like that. Sometimes it doesn't, some people like, oh, I don't care about that. You know, or right. encumbrance, I don't care about that. And that's fine. Um, and we, we love Phil and Chris and Bob and those guys are awesome over there. Well, I was, and I was kind of downplaying it and he was like, oh, that's really, no, I could totally see that. And I could, you know, see this and I'm like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we do those topics and, uh, we do a few other things. It's, uh, it's actually, anyway, that's part of the, I, some of the fun for me is to think about the different shit that hits me when we're, when my group is making characters or something, somebody will say, you know, no one ever cares about the, the X, whatever that happens to be in a mechanic or whatever. And it just sits in the back of my head and perks for a while. I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been doing this since third grade, and I never have really thought about that thing. What about that thing? Well, and it's it kind of it's kind of like you know, if you're playing a game and you don't want to play by the rules, that's cool. Absolutely, because I kind of do that. Yeah, more often than not. Right, and it's not <laughs> wrong. It's just some people would say that. They would say, hey, if you're not playing by the rules of that game, then why are you playing that game, right? We've had that. True. Yeah, right? we've had that talk. Not to rehash it over and over, but nonetheless. I don't know. The- I don't know how we got on that topic. I have no idea. But anyway. I just thought it was interesting that somebody that I'm like, you know, kind of blowing it off, like, yeah, we're just these two guys, you know, and he's like, oh, no, no, that's that's a pretty good topic. I mean, I could see, I could see how that would come about and you could talk about this, you can talk about that. But anyways, that's it. I'll cool. stop now. That's all right. I'll read the next one. Oh, okay. Um, wow. It's a short, it's not that long. Oh, right? that's, so, okay. It's kind of not that big a deal. Right. Graham Minert um, commented on our G plus episode. Speaking of the heroism, he went back to the heroism episode where we had uh, <clears throat> Alex Cameron from Gamehole on there. And on the topic of heroism in dystopian games like Apocalypse World and Shadowrun, I think the position that settings like these produces heroics is in, is the greater sense misses the truth of it. In most Apocalypse Worlds games I've ever played in, making the shithole world somewhat less shitty is the whole point. I think one could make a fair argument that even Max Rakostansky is struggling to make the world at least marginally better. Who's that? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> how, how successful that is is another matter. Shadowrun, the most and most cyberpunk games in fiction, 
Then a slightly more heroic bent as well. The long story arcs are usually about exposing the latest awful deeds committed by the corporations or the corrupt executives. Uh, in these kind of settings, heroics fall into the quote-unquote small-scale department rather than the quote-unquote world-saving category. Given the likelihood of success or reward, doing, the, doing right in a dystopia may be more heroic than in settings where the sun will rise warm and golden over the verdant valley and the halfling farmers will throw you a feast. You know, Graham, that's a very good point. And I think that goes to, I think we tried to touch on that there a little bit in that episode. I have to go back and re-listen to what we what we ranted through there. But that, <clears throat> excuse me, in my Avalon setting, it's um, I try to do a similar thing where it's small heroics, kind of a smaller scale. And I think in dystopian worlds, unless you are trying to change the entire dystopian world, um, which, you know, g- good luck in, you know, an actual apocalyptic setting. You're not going to make it magically better unless there's some magic that could make it magically better. Anyway, short version is that you're trying to make a small piece of a shitty world less shitty or improve the lives of a smaller group of people. There is some definite her- heroism that can be found in there, at least as far as I would describe it. So that's a very good point, Grant. And I appreciate you calling that out, sir. That's good stuff. Yes. Thanks for writing in. Absolutely. Graham. All right, uh, Eileen Barnes. Yeah, she's. Uh, this is going to be a long one, but it's good. I read it, so this will be fun. I don't. I don't think I put the subject in the uh, email, which probably something I should have considered. Was this is when she's calling BS on me, isn't she? She's calling. She has a bone to pick with Brett. Something to that effect. All right, I'll uh, I'll sit back and uh, be flogged here. Off you go. She may be watching this. Sometimes she puts us on her TV, which is probably a little bit too much BS, I would say. But yeah, well, hopefully it's a small screen TV because otherwise it'd be too like too much BS in your uh, face. That'd, I mean, that'd be a lot to deal with. Anyway, your you have, turn. You have a definite deficit in female responders to your show, so please allow me to do what I may to remedy that. We do have uh, Angela writes in periodically and uh, gives us what for, and which is always good. We do, but it's like I just did a presentation at a conference mm-hmm. uh, for my field, which is recruiting and talent acquisition. And the Stack, I don't know how I'm getting on this topic, but nonetheless, Stack Overflow did a survey of like 56,000 developers. And they did how much gender how big the di- gender difference is. Every, everybody knows that IS and IT is male-dominated beyond belief. Brett, do you even know how male-dominated? It's got to be like 90 percentile, isn't it? Oh, it's much higher. Oh, well, holy crap. Okay. Yeah, it's like 90, I believe 98%, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall my number. Damn. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 96, 98%. It's crazy. That's crazy and a problem. But nonetheless, thank you for writing in, Eileen. We definitely need some diversity. Yeah, more of you and Angela and others like you and yeah. intelligent women telling us, um, call him BS. Let's hear it. All right. So first, slightly off topic, I'm still team Brett and agree that Sean should not be attempting an Aussie accent. This is a patron level that needs to be done. A patron level that says if we do it, both Sean and Brett have to do like the entire episode in an Aussie accent or something crazy. Well, would it be that people would pay us not to do it? Or yes. To do I think it. we could do both. <laughs> yeah, we could do both at different levels. Maybe. Okay, keep going, keep going. Sorry. There. Now, isn't this, isn't this, now this isn't a beat up on Brett kind of letter. Well, that was, so I got to, I agree with Brett. Sean shouldn't sound like an idiot. So there, now let's go after Brett. I like this. Well, I have a bone but, to pick with Brett 
But now this right. isn't a beat up on Brett kind of letter. All right. Like, hey, hey, I'm going to let you finish. I don't mean to interrupt. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Eileen. Come on, Eileen. Hey. Hey-oh. Where? Hey, uh, Gus. Yeah. yeah no one's... <laughs> That that joke has never been made. Wow. Towards, uh, Ms. I'm sure she's I'm never positive. heard that. Yeah. All right. We're never going to get through this show. No, we're not. As Bob would say, we're going long. In response to Pure Mongrel's letter in episode 111, which also ties in with what I will go into here, would not good or evil be defined as what is for the betterment or detriment of society? Thus which is defined as which could vary depending on viewpoint. In Forgotten Realms would not draw or draw view their structured society as good and wandering adventurers who wish to undermine their way of life as bad? Hmm. However, the definitions are written from the viewpoint of topside majority cultural norms. They, being viewed as evil, is what I would consider a cultural minority in what they allow in their society is not viewed as acceptable in most other nations. That's the Red Wizards of Thay in Faerun, for those who don't know, the Front Realms world. That's good. I'm glad you said that, Brett, because I am not familiar with FR like you are. Evil is against the betterment of the majority, just as chaotic is against the enforcement societal structure. Because they are so similar in definition, this could explain why people struggle to grasp the difference between good versus evil and lawful versus chaotic. One is about benevolence and the other one is about structure, though as such well-known characters as Robin Hood or Batman might display, they do not necessarily go hand in hand. Now, for those poor orc babies or giant babies, as if you recall in the past episode, we referred to like, well, what if you come across like the babies of the baddies? Yeah, because uh, Alex brought up the fact that in um, the setting of the Hill Giant Chief and against the Giants, there is a nursery. There's infant giants. And he yeah, doesn't, you, and he takes them out. Like, hey, he just takes it out. He removes, he's like, the, he removes the yeah. encounter. Doesn't take out the babies. Yeah. Yeah, just takes out the babies. <laughs> well, that's what you do in Brett's game is you kill the babies. But anyway, carry on. Behavior is what defines good or evil, no? Oh, crap, I'm evil. Behaviors are learned through nurture. They are societal constructs passed on from generation to generation. Babies, at least humanoid in D&D, dragons seem to be fairly aware of the world at the point of hatching, so that is something which I might someday grill the D&D writers about. Lack the cognitive development to have grasped morality and decision-making. If they lack that ability to make that decision and that decision and and that decision and learned behaviors are what determine good or evil, then are not most evil creatures offspring not yet evil until they learn to be or not to be? That is the question. Fair enough. All right. Genocide is never an okay, especially lawful good. How can one be truly good if one does not believe in some form of redemption? I think it's profound. It's a good point. And this is, we talked a little bit about this in an alignment episode a while back. It's, 
alignment's tricky um, because there's so many different ways to cut, slice, dice, and define. So carry on, sir. I do agree that playing in neutral is incredibly difficult. Chaotic neutral grates on my last nerve purely because they lack motivation for anything but their whims. They care nothing for good, evil, or structure, and that undermines just about any overarching motivation to a character. They are the person who might get swept up in events they desire nothing to do with, but for personal motivation, they're bland and boring. They'd rather sit on the sidelines as much as possible and let it all blow over. They might be entertaining comedic relief in a one-shot or short campaign, but for the long haul, they lack depth in my experience. Here we go. Brett, my bone to pick with you, your choice of do what thou wilt as a driving force for anarchy. The full quote is, do what thou wilt shall Shall be the whole of the law. Be the whole of the law. And delves into- Alistair Crowley, by the way. Mr. Crowley. God, I- I, Dun, dun, dun. The the worst. Don't you rock your Enough law. God, I, I hate that song. Carry on. Really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Alistair. Uh, so sure, you can go, uh, let's see. All right, sure, you can go do stupid shit and hurt others, but you'd better be prepared to face the consequences. It is the apotheosis of freedom, but it is also the strictest possible bond. Mm-hmm. Used properly, it would make for a lawful alignment, though not necessarily restricted to good, neutral, or evil think it might lend itself to neutral, but that reasoning goes away deeper into the philosophy than I care to go to go in in this email. Maybe we can wax philosophic over whiskey someday. To pull this back into the heroics episode, heroism is defined as being courageous, is acting where there is fear to be overcome. The odds are not in your favor and you persist regardless. Heroic is putting yourself on the line to the betterment of others whether it be a specific person or set of persons or masses of otherwise unknown people. When compared to my own definition of good versus evil, heroic characters are good aligned, acting for the betterment of the masses, and go out of their way to stop bad stuff happening. Your motivation as a hero is not fat loot and a big sword. Your motivation is the safety and or betterment of others while running personal risks to yourself. Scale of the action is not so much as important as altruism. Someone who takes a bullet to save a small child is as much of a hero to that child's mother as someone who throws themselves into a multidimensional portal is to those billions of lives saved from extraplanar evil. Same six assholes off to save the world again and all that. (laughs) Maybe I've beaten this dead horse enough and pure mongrel can have this soapbox back. Cheers, Eileen, the graphic novelty wife. So I will admit that I did use the do what thou wilt. <clears throat> thank you, Eileen. Thank you. I did use the do what thou wilt. I did uh, purposely um, shortcut that just to um, add some fun to the anarchy discussion there. So I was aware that that was not the complete quote. And uh, I, uh, it is fair to call me out on that. Uh, misquoting or hacking a quote, <clears throat> excuse me, just to make a point, is not necessarily good because it does leave out the rest of what she rightfully calls out for that particular statement. Um, I don't honestly, the more I have, uh, I was an English and philosophy major in college, altruism, the whole concept of altruism, I don't believe in. 
I don't think that's actually possible. No one is really altruistic, at least in uh, my understanding. But that, again, is a discussion possibly for a different day. But I do get the point I think he's making there, right, is scale of action is um, <clears throat> perhaps, again, it kind of goes to the, the other discussion, right, where a small bit of heroism, right, saving a child or saving a small town or saving an individual um, can be just as heroic as um, saving hundreds of thousands of people. The it's scale of the story and the scale of the event doesn't always necessitate one hero is one heroic action being bigger, grander, or better than the other. So this is really good stuff. Thank you, Eileen. I, I really like this letter. This was really nice. Obviously, very articulate um, and well thought out for sure. So I know that- <laughs> it also it also gives more. Um, I mean, it's more ammo in my in my belt around the fact that alignment is it's one of those things that it, it simplifies a very complex topic in a D and D. Well, world, that right? is for sure. And to simplify a thing down to something that is a mechanical construct, you kind of need to do that. I like the hard choices concepts that are in some of the uh, games, uh, like your dungeon world and so forth, creating hard choices for people, which is how, um, to her point, right. Is by <clears throat> finding what behavior there is, you know, having a character, in the uh, in a couple of games I'm uh, I'm running right now the Avalon game I'm running put a hard choice in front of the group and see what it is that they do with that it, does Emily do the right thing quote unquote or she do the wrong thing quote unquote depends it all um, ha- giving someone opportunity to show what they're made of if you will um, is is a good way to talk or have the alignment discussion without having to say well you can't do that because you're chaotic neutral oh you wouldn't ever do that because you're lawful good um, give them the hard choice and see what they do. I think that is more, it creates better role-playing um, experiences and is a lot more fun. At least that's my opinion. All right. Let's get into the cool. main topic. Let's do it. All right. What are we talking about this week, Brett? I want to talk about chain of command in role-playing games. Fall, and I'm Fall talking, in. Fall in. Exactly. Everybody line up, soldier. Um, I have run a couple different games over the years. Um, some have been military-based. Some have been kind of a Firefly-E-based thing. The concept of you've got someone in charge by rank and others beneath that individual and um, how that works. You know, captain on the pirate ship. You've got a captain on the on Firefly. You've got Mal in charge there. You have uh, sergeants, privates, captains, lieutenants, blah, 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 depending on branches of the service and all this stuff. I have, um, it can be really tricky, I have found, in role-playing games, especially um, one-shots, I found much uh, them to be much easier. People go, oh, I'm the sergeant, and uh, she's the lieutenant. I can easily heave to, and, uh, you know, Eileen's the lieutenant, and she's the sergeant. I'm a private, fine. They tell me the orders come from on top, or shit rolls downhill. I go off and do the thing. In one-shots, people seem to, in my experience, kind of bite into them. When it comes to a longer campaign, though, I think the natural tendency that I have seen is like, wait a minute, this is the captain just gave me a really stupid order. Why do I have to do this stupid thing? My character doesn't want to do that. And uh, it can be really, really challenging. Sean, have you run? So I want to talk about that. Sean, have you run a game with a strict chain, chain of command or a loose chain of command? Anything like that before? Yes, I have, Brett. I, <clears throat> excuse me, last year, at Gamehole Con, I ran Weird War Two, which is World War Two, um, with with crazy 
werewolf zombie Nazis. So that's kind of the one shotty, right? I mean, it that was just, just a con game. It was. How did it go? How, so not to not to belittle that. So that's that wasn't my intent with that statement. Right. Sure. How did how did it go? Did the players dig it? Did they get into it? Jeff Rodemacher was in that game. Uh, I thought so. I think Jeff took up the reins as the senior, most senior enlisted individual of the squad. And when we have seen Jeff after that, he did not punch you or anything. So assuming it went well. Yeah, I think it went all right. He didn't talk to me much this year, so maybe maybe there's something going on. Ooh, it could be. No, Trouble I'm, in paradise. I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of our listeners now hates us. God damn it. Um Yeah, it went I went fine. The the Yes. So there is a bit of a topic to this that I don't know if you want me to comment on it now or not. Or for no, me. go for it. I mean, th- this is this is our stick, right? This is I want to bring this up and just kind of hit it. I my main piece of this is that it's challenging. And that there may be a right or better way to do it than I have done in the past. I've got some good stories and some horror stories to share. So lay it on me, Sean. What have you got? So one of the things that you have to keep in mind if you're going to run a military campaign, and you're so you're going to have to address this. And I think Brett and I are going to beat this sucker to a dead pulp. But nonetheless, you you can't have somebody that is not into role playing or into the game be kind of the higher ranking person. I, I mean, I, agree. I guess they can be, I mean, it's not every, I don't know. There seems to be like, you can do whatever you want in role-playing games because nobody can tell you if you're doing good, wrong, fun or whatever. So, but I, I do have to say that if you are kind of the leader of the group and you do not tend to take that and kind of run with it, uh, it's gonna, it's not going to work very well. In- I have a counter to that in one specific example, but I must also say, what? excuse me, that I think everybody, honestly, to take that even one step further, everybody involved needs to understand that we're playing a chain of command game and we are not going to abuse this. We're not just going to say, Hey, I make Sean's character clean my, clean my toenails. Cause it's funny. I'm the commander and he has to do it because he's a private. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a good way to go. No, it's not, but. But the, the players have to be in. The players have to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sign up for it. I really want to try this or I'm going to do it and get into it. And I think it is, it's um, to kind of coin a phrase from our Bardic episode back in the day, it's it's for role playing. You really need to role play it. You can for you can have a mechanic if you wish, <clears throat> excuse me, to potentially force somebody to listen or uh, you could use a, you know, intimidate skills and stuff like that if it comes down to it. But when you're, it's, if you're going to devolve, your chain of command game into a player versus player. Every time the captain wants a sergeant to do something, a sergeant is going to be an ass and argue with him. And you're like, fine, then I just use my intimidate skill. Fine, then I use this. Then it becomes very confrontational. That's PvP. It's just skill on skill, and it can get really, really ugly. Yeah, I totally agree, man. So the on the flip to what you said, I ran a game at Evercon a number of years ago. It was a Call of Cthulhu game. It was all chain of command. And uh, one a kid, he was about 13, wanted to be the the captain. And everyone else said, okay. I had grown men at the table, other older kids. And everyone said, sounds good. I can't remember the kid's name, so I'll just call him Sam. Uh, and so, so Sam's running the character. And what the group would do, one of the more experienced players, I think it was Zave, um, was playing the second in command. And he came up to him and said, sir, here's the situation. This is what I think we should do. What are your orders, sir? And the kid would say, well, um, what do you think we should do? Well, sir, like I said, I think this would be the best move, but 
So what we did though was it gave that kid opportunity to be <clears throat> the whole table would turn and look at Sam expectantly. Hey kid, what do you got for us? We're going to go do this thing. And he loved it. It was this really cool thing. He wanted to be in charge and he was able to be in charge, make a couple decisions and um, based on really good intelligence. So what the players did underneath him, which um, not being a military man myself, but Sean is a uh, former army. My assumption is at some point, if you have a officer who is not necessarily, you want to make sure the officer is the best information possible. Kind of like talking to executives. You want to make sure they've got the right data to make the right decision that IE the one you want them to make. So sometimes that's, that's a thing you do is you feed your superiors data in a certain format to get them to do things for you. But the whole thing worked <clears throat> again, excuse me again, uh, is because of the role-playing component of it. Everybody got into it and said, yes, I'm going to do this again, though. That was a one shot. Have you done a campaign, um, you know, a series of games, a longer story arc, whatever you want to say, something more than just a one session event or a con game when you've had uh, players in this, in this scenario. We have played Star Trek role-playing game. One one of the top three when I was growing up. I think it was in no particular order. Top Secret, D&D, and Star Trek Bassa. And I got to remove my cat. It's driving me crazy. Um, so, yes, we did long campaigns. I don't remember if I ran a lot of the Star Trek campaigns, but obviously it's got a military structure to it but it did did it work yeah it worked because we all watch star trek so just because you're captain kirk doesn't mean i mean what you say does kind of go but part of that game is feeding like you said that person a lot of information because they're leaning on their you know subordinates to give them that info and then they make decisions based on that all it is in the end is somebody needs to make a decision and then when you're in the military, you can't have a committee. No, that's a bad idea. The committee just kills everything. And so that's the point of it, um, of a military structure. That's why they call it a command decision. We need somebody to make a command decision. That's what they're referring to. Somebody just has the authority to just say, this is what we're going to do. I've got all the info I need. I know there's people that are going to be disagreeing with you know, this choice. Yeah, like it or lump it, go fucking do what I told you to do. That's, that's right. Those are those are orders, soldier. Go do that thing. Right. So, you know, in a role-playing game, that's kind of cool because you could potentially, and especially with like a three-person game and you got, you know, Bones, Spock, and Captain Kirk or equivalents of them. And then, you know, got one, you know, Spock and McCoy arguing with each other and they're trying to influence Captain Kirk to go a particular direction. Captain Kirk goes one way or the other, and the other one gets like, oh, I don't agree, but okay, fine. I got to toe the, toe the line. That so that's the piece That's the piece where, in my experience, that depending if people aren't really into it or they don't understand how that's supposed to work and they don't buy into that, then it gets ugly, where the player goes, well, fine, fuck that. I'm not, no, that's stupid. Why would you do that? Oh, my God. You know, and then they kind of not, not hissy fit is a wrong phrase, but people get very upset sometimes when they feel that they're being, um, you know, not listened to or that's just stupid. I've, I've seen that type of thing before. And sometimes then depending on who your captain is or the person in charge, that individual may decide to take it upon himself. Fine. Throw him in a brig. Fine. You're going to be insubordinate, motherfucker. Guess where you're going? Yeah, and but, it, 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 there's a weird escalation like that that can, like I said, then it becomes very PvP, uh, you know, players just trying to get at each other for that. 
Yeah, it does take a certain maturity level to pull off that game. Because if you get into that, that's not the way life works. Like if you, it really isn't the way life works. Whether you're in the workplace or you're in the military, you're not going to throw a shit fit in a temper tantrum because somebody didn't take what you said. Oh, I've seen that happen in the workplace. I've actually seen that happen. Those people don't work in that place very long though. It's usually what happens, right? Well, I, I suppose. Um, so, so anyway though, I, you, you, then you get to point what I, what, what you're pointing at there for like Star Trek. And even if you look at Firefly at one point, spoilers for a show that's been off the air forever and everybody talks about it. anyway. So in Firefly, there's a character, Jane, who's arguing with Mal. Jane's trying to cut a deal on the side. Mal has enough of his shit and almost spaces him, basically sticks him in the airlock and is like, look, I'm in charge. Um, you, you double cross me, dude. This, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. They have a back and forth and then he lets him back in and everything is quote unquote. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but there's a couple of points in there where people are mad. They're very angry and they're in Mal's face. He's like, I'm the fucking, I mean, they don't swear on the show, but I'm the fucking captain. It's my ship. I said, no. And when you do that, the other person, oh, and they kind of, they, the registers that had the, I can't countermand that it's, it's true. I'm on here to do this job. And I listen to this person, uh, walk off, storm off, kick things in your, in your, you know, bunk or whatever, and then come back. But well, mutiny will get you shot. Yes, it can. Mutiny is no joke. Cause it's a shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there's no room for that crap. And especially if you're in space, <laughs> it's not a good idea, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a piece when you said maturity level, it's a thing that even if you have a very mature group of gamers, you people have to really understand that look, um, it may be X card worthy. Like, look, I just can't have people abusing authority. You can have people who have too much who who take the authority too far, like throw them in a brig, take away a supper, you know. Whatever. Um, you, you can't just do that uh, without expecting repercussions from your fellow players. And on the flip side is everything can't be a committee decision. You have to go with it. You don't have to be happy. You can register your complaint. You can say, sir, um, permission to speak freely. Permission granted, soldier. I think this is fucking stupid. Duly noted. Get back to your work. All right. Off you go. You can have those back and forth. But if you get into the character and play the role, the back and forth becomes something that later on the private gets to smile and smirk as the sergeant is, you know, shoveling shit because, Hey, guess what? I told you that was going to happen. And that's what happened. Right. So there's, there's ways to role play your way through that pain, but everybody has to agree to do it. And I think to help enforce the maturity component, especially for a longer, more drawn out storyline, the game master and the players have to potentially be reminded of that agreement. Because even if you play every other every week or every other week or once a month, like my group in our Traveler game, it's a chain of command that we have set up for Traveler. When we get back together next time, I'm going to say, now remember, we have the chain of command. Beta is the captain. We've got this guy doing this job. This guy's doing this job. This person's doing that job. And she's doing that job. Great. Okay, good. Now, last time, Zave's doctor was upset about a process or a procedure, so forth. Run that stuff down. And then everybody can take it, kind of react with it, and, and go on. But I think that reminder as you kick the game off or periodically throughout. Now, remember, this is what we agreed to do. Maybe not in those direct words, but subtly or overtly, if necessary, just to make sure everybody is, is uh, remembering what they agreed to, I guess. Well, yeah. And if, yeah. And if they want to play that out where they could disagree with the commanding officer or whatever, 
and they want to go feel great Article 15 and go under the Uniform Code of Military Justice and throw them into jail and put them on trial and all that other good stuff, or if they're on a ship and want to try them for mutiny, I mean, that could be a whole nother game. That could actually actually make for a kind of interesting game, depending on who or why you were forced to do a thing. Well, and you throw some sanity rules in there, and you got mutiny on the bounty, man. You get some, hey, where's my strawberries? (laughs) Where are my strawberries? (laughs) Good point. So the other piece with this is that when when we think chain of command, a lot of times, um, oh, yes, Army, Navy, Marines, people in space, ships, boats, you know, behind enemy lines, blah, blah, blah. Um, Podca- police officers, podcasts, Sean, podcasts, Sean, yeah. Sean Brett, Sean Brett. Yeah. Mostly I do what I'm told. I act tough, but I just do what I'm told. Well, you, Hey, look at it this way, Brett. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're second in command. Oh, that's great. Have a two man show. That's great. <laughs> oh, we'll hire somebody else and <laughs> we'll hire somebody else. Just so that's why we got Wayne the Ewok. That's right. So I can be in charge of someone. That's why we brought Wayne. on. Now, Wayne is a bad, bad. He, that's bad news. Wayne's been, he's looked at the bottom of a break a few times. That's a good point. Anyway, um, what I'm getting at is that chain of command is not necessarily just um, a military thing. Uh, police officers have a system. <clears throat> Detectives, um, you know, sergeants, lieutenants, beat cops. There's different structures within that. The FBI, the CIA, different government organizations, they all have a command structure, much like a, a and gov- organizations um where I work, corporate America and so forth. It's not quite as strict per se. PMs, but, program managers. Yeah, Brad. but you can see, yeah, me, um, way down on the bottom. Anyway, but you can see people, even in those environments, are nervous to go talk to the big boss. Oh my God, the senior vice president really upset. Oh my God, what do I tell this person? Oh, she's going to be so mad. Um, and then if you take it outside that, your cults, your secret societies, there are grand, there's the the grand poobah of the cult of Cthulhu. There's the head priest of the cult of Dagon. There is the head of this church or whatever it is. And then there's subordinates. There's people beneath, beneath everybody in a lot of those areas. And I think. Yeah. There's 32nd degree Masons. <clears throat> yes. So I think when you, when you do that, the, how do I do it? Kind of the training wheels before you go to a full blown military version of it, in my opinion, is starting with a smaller type of organization, Right. The cop movie where the where the guy walks in and, and the you know captain says, "Damn it, damn it, Kelly, give me your badge." Blah blah blah. Fine, throws the badge. You can have those those moments where you're breaking the law, you're breaking the rules, you're doing this thing. Um, you're still forced to operate within a chain of command of sorts, but and it's not like police officers don't have a strict chain of command, right? It's not like there's all loosey goosey craziness. But from a gamer perspective, it feels like. In those places, there's more freedom or latitude of movement as opposed to we're behind enemy lines in World War II, and I don't like what the lieutenant has said, so I'm going to mutiny. That's a really bad fucking idea. When across the other side, you have werewolves and zombies and craziness involved. Now is not really a good time to tell lieutenant you don't like his views on something, right? So I before I started doing <clears throat> chain of command military-style games and so forth, I would I look back at the different um, secret organizations that the teams would run into or the group would play, be a part of or whatever. Remember when you had to you were part of a church and you had to listen to the to the head priest or you're in this in this fancy setting, whatever it is, kind of leaning on that stuff and then building uh, everybody's experience with that and then jumping into a more hardcore 
chain of command for a uh, military organization. That's a thing I did. I don't know if that's something everybody needs to do or it just it was just an idea I had that it seemed to work for me anyway. I should we should mention that just because there's a military command structure hierarchy in place doesn't mean that it's all I have the final say and that if you don't agree with me you're going to get thrown in jail or the brig or whatever or face kicking getting kicked out of the military I have seen enlisted soldiers and off uh, enlisted non-commissioned officers chew out lieutenants you know it's it it happens you know and it gets rough out there and uh they don't end up going to Leavenworth and making big which rocks is good because last I heard I heard that's not a nice place to be no <laughs> by, all, by all counts but I'm just saying that there are times when if you're out in the field and you're kind of like you realize that you you have the military structure in place of course you have the ranks but at the same time there is kind of a candor that can take place depending on the relationship of the two individuals or or multiple individuals i mean i've seen i mean i've seen staff sergeants you know chew the shit out of lieutenants first and second lieutenants now it's not like they're chewing out a colonel or anything, but you know, nonetheless, they, they they don't have to necessarily stand for some shit that they don't believe in. They may get hit with something. They may not. It may just be somebody that talks to the sergeant and says, look, you know, I know you're, you're pissed off and you, you know, the lieutenant's kind of a knucklehead, but you know, you can't be going off on them all the time. Cause then it, that's just not, not going to work. Is that good for morale? Blah, blah, blah. Morale and, you're not supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you, you do don't don't do that. Kind That's of breaking, basically against. Yeah, you're breaking the rules. Yeah, yeah. So I think that go that kind of goes back to what you'd said at the beginning is like you know it's it's basically it <clears throat> a heavy role playing thing. You really have to get into yes. it. And the other piece, like I said, from a reminder perspective, is like look, just because Beta's character is mad at Jr. Um, because Jr. overstepped and you know has got Angie's character scrubbing the latrine floor with a toothbrush, you know, that doesn't mean everybody has to have a throwdown. Everybody goes to the brig and there's always a court martial. That is an extreme and of the military spectrum. I, to my knowledge, Sean, and to my friends like you and other uh, men and women I know who've, who've served or been cops and so forth, there's lots of different ways that um, officers or people in charge get their point across without having to, I'm sorry, that was insubordination, you're fired. I mean, that doesn't happen all that often, unless it's incredibly egregious. There's lots of different ways to pull someone aside and say, look, um, motherfucker, uh, do that again. I, I double dare you, do that again and see what happens. Everybody gets one type of approach. I mean, <clears throat> there's ways to do different things, and that's where the role-playing comes into it, right? Where a decent commander, a decent person who's really in charge of a thing um, walking around swinging your you-know-what and sticking it in everybody's face isn't necessarily a good way to be considered a good commander and really get the best results from your team. One of my favorite uh, stories a buddy of mine's father told me when he was, uh, he's a, uh, unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. He was a Vietnam vet, and uh, he and his lieutenant did not get along very well. And uh, Thompson got in trouble, and he was told to go spot paint the Jeep. So he painted concentric circles all over the Jeep. <clears throat> Well, <laughs> I mean, there's there's ways that things can happen. And, you know, Thompson was not like, you know, court-martialed and thrown out. He just got on the shit list. Yeah, and you thing, end up right? having to repaint the whole fucking Jeep. 
Yeah. So, so like you're just making more work for yourself. Sometimes soldiers are not the the brightest <laughs> bulbs in the lamp. Yeah. Exactly. But it's that those are the things though that from a role playing perspective, it's funny. You did it, you pissed him off. Yeah, you got to repaint the whole damn thing. But guess what? Um, he was late or he had to drive that Jeep to a meeting with the colonel and he's in this polka dot Jeep, right? That just looks great. Um, so there's there's ways that things can go back and forth. Again, it's not everybody gets court-martialed. Not everybody's up against a firing squad. Not everybody's spaced. Every time somebody acts up, not everybody gets stuck in the air, you know, in the airlock and just spaced. That doesn't happen all the time. Well, and rank doesn't have to be always this huge over this black cloud looming over everybody that's involved with your game or just if it's military base. And I'll give you an example. It is not. So there are some things in the military kind of arena etiquette wise that happens and it's fine because it's kind of the way the culture is just like corporate culture and different organizations is what it is. Military culture has its own as well. So I'll give you an example. So say I was serving in the military, U.S. Army, and I was a corporal. When you are a colonel or you're a higher ranking person like a captain or something, it isn't entirely uh, it isn't entirely unlike them to call people by their first name. And in the military, typically that's taboo. I mean, if somebody called me Sean in the army, it was like it was it would throw you off. It would be kind of calling you a nickname that you didn't like. Um, because everybody's known by their last name or maybe some nickname, but you never rarely called anybody by their first name, but officers, you know, um, colonels, Francis colonels will call (laughs) current. Yeah. Right. Colonels will call majors and, um, you know, certain individuals in their kind of circle by their first name. And when you're face to face and, but you're out in front of others, the subordinates are always respective of the rank, but I can imagine that a major that is in the office of their boss, they probably speak on a first name basis. Right. So if I was, so I'll give you kind of the, the time, the time and the place thing, right? Correct. I had a, I had a, in corporate America, I had a VP and I, um, who uh, left the company that I'm, I'm still with that Sean used to work with, but I used to be able to go in the Mark's office, shut the door and be like, dude, what the fuck? He'd be like, I, I fucking know the hell man. And we could have a cussing match, but that was in that room with that door closed and outside of that door that never happened. So anyway, carry on. Right. So it depends on who's in that room and what the relationship dynamic is, but that's not, that's not uncommon to, to, to happen. Um, now there's little differences between like the enlisted and the officer ranks that kind of take place. Uh, but nonetheless, that's, that's kind of a culture thing. So literally you could have a military campaign and everybody just speak freely. Like, yes, I'm three ranks higher than you or two ranks higher than you, or I'm you're enlisted. I'm an officer. But I mean, if you get into the special forces piece of it, a lot of those officers are really kind of, I wouldn't say equals, but they, because they tend to do different jobs and they're responsible for different things. But I I know people listening to this who've served in the military, like you hand wave that in certain situations, but knowing that's the thing, it's, you are in tune with that and you know that in the back. Yes. When somebody snaps, you can understand the context of that. Right. So it's like, Hey, I'm not fucking around anymore. 
Ah, gotcha. Okay, now we're getting into this mode. Got it. There's a um in uh, one, one of my favorite fantasy series is the Black Company books by Glenn Cook. And there's a character, the, the main person uh, who starts as Croker is the name of the physician who's kind of the, the narrators and uh, he's carrying everything. At one point, this um, guy shows up and he's uh, from another group and he's being a complete shit and he's just being an ass and disrespectful and so forth. And uh, the captain is there of this, um, the black company, which is this mercenary band. And he goes, Sergeant. And and Croker goes, no one ever called Elmo Sergeant unless it was really, really serious. Everyone just called him Elmo. That was just, again, to your point, that was the thing they had when he was called Sergeant, like, oh, God. And then click, yes, sir. All right, sir. Yes, sir. And they just went and did. It was a display of power that they had to an outside group. And they were in family when it was just that group of people, a command structure and so forth. It was a lot less formal because they were a mercenary band. and This is how they worked. But to show somebody else that they meant fucking business, snap, 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 snap. Everybody fell into line and did a thing. So I, that made that makes sense. I, li- I like that idea. And that's, again, something that if you're playing a game like a Firefly where it's kind of chain of command, but a little less formal, even my um, my traveler game, which is one of the things that brought this to my to my, inf- my mind for a topic. They're all they've mustered out through the traveler system. When you're done, you've, you've spent your time in whatever career path you've gone through and you've mustered out so i have ex-military ex-navy ex-whatever folks here and they're operating together in a loose chain of command system they still need somebody on the on the ship needs to make the call right some it, somebody needs to be the captain because like as you said death by committee if everybody decides what do we do it's not a good call especially well, if, in the heat it, of battle it, but well yeah and if you're not if there isn't a captain or somebody that is overseeing the ship then you are then you might as well be like, even Captain Steubing was a captain. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. My, so my point is maybe you're on a pontoon boat then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what kind, of, what kind of show are you running here? Yeah, it's a piece when, like in travel when you have to land and we, they had a problem. So, you know, Beta's like, okay, um, mechanic, you stay here, do this, you go do that, you go make sure this is taken care of and run off and find parts. Okay, yep, that's my job. I go do the thing. The guy who does engineering runs off. The person plays that, does this other thing, and so on. So I guess short version, again, to kind of put in, put a wrapper on this one, I think I think they can be a lot of fun. I think there's great potential for abuse on all sides, right? Where players like, everybody wants to mutiny all the time. I'm going to be insubordinate. Fuck you. I don't know. Fuck you. And you can have that battle constantly, but that is not the spirit of what you're trying to, unless that's the game, right? Is everybody mutiny is if that's the title of your game, good, good on you. You, uh, you know, you asked it, you asked for it type of thing, but otherwise it, um, it takes some good role-playing and it takes, um, an agreement. Everybody has to say, this is what we're going to do. And I also think it's potentially X card worthy, uh, when you have people in command who may be overbearing. And I do think there is, you can stop a game and say, look, that's, that's too much, man. You as captain, you can't keep trying to send everybody to the freaking break, dude. Stop doing that. Well, that's, everybody that, needs that's over the top. Then everybody needs to gang up on them and uh, mutiny. Yes, take them over. Yep. It, at that point, maybe that is the thing you need to do. Right uh, now, there's one other thing that we haven't that we haven't touched on that we haven't. You know, one thing that comes from AD and D that is similar to some of the things that we mentioned, and that's caller. The role of the caller. Yeah, that was the old school table. So basically back in the day for those 
who uh, may be younger than Sean and I and don't recall this, um, Gygax and Arnest and those folks would, they, you had roles that would be assigned out at the table. Table, You had a mapper and a caller. The caller's job was to take all the different actions because you're old initiative for the group, right? So they would take all the actions. There's five of us playing. Sean's the caller. Brett's the mapper. I'm drawing out all the stuff to make sure we don't get lost. Sean says, okay, guys, what are we going to do? Blah, 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 blah. And he organized, coordinate that stuff and go, Game Master, Ange, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take... Eileen's going to go first, and I got Mongo going second, and Brett's mage is going to come in, and then I'm the dwarf warrior. I'm going to be guarding You know, you'd lay all those pieces out, kind of or- orders, if you will, so the Game Master knew what everything was going on. And I don't doubt in the least that that comes from Wargaming, because Wargaming has ranks. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that either. And they probably needed somebody to make a command decision. So instead of having four people all just kind of be like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. What? Are you sure? Are you going to do that? Are you going to do this? It's just everybody comes to a consensus and one person says, right, like you said, GM, this is what we're going to do. And that actually, that's interesting because that brings up what you and I have talked about a number of episodes back. Again, if I don't, rec- I don't recall where. So you got to start at one and you know what to do from there. Um, those players that sit there and don't know what to do. Uh, maybe I punch him in the face. Maybe I stand here and wait for the goblin. Uh, I don't know what to do. And when you have a group of people or, you know, arguing back and forth what they should do, or a caller, an individual whose role is to say, look, I got to turn in, I have to take our turn and turn it in to the game master. So Angie knows what the hell we're doing. You know, Brett, Elf, and Eileen have got their stuff in, Sean. Dude, we got to, you know, what, what are you going to do? Right. And where does it, where does it play? Um, That, I, I know that can slow down play, and some people think that's an assigned approach, but I, I do see... I do. It's that type of uh, command decision, as you said, or that type of organization is the type of thing that a chain of command, be it military, police officer, secret society, church, whatever. Somebody has to say, this is the order we're going to do it in. You know, somebody has to dig a trench. Somebody has to dig a latrine. Somebody has to do this thing. Somebody has to make sure the perimeter is secure. Somebody has to do this. Somebody has to do the paperwork, whatever. Those jobs and duties need to be assigned out. And in order to make sure that all that shit is done and accounted for, there's usually one person at the top whose job it is to make sure that shit's taken care of. And when it isn't taken care of, is not taken care of, and they don't take care of it repeatedly, that's when shit goes to hell. And then the crew has the right to, you know, call the captain side and uh, perhaps deliver a well-deserved ass whooping if necessary. All right, let's get into die roll. Let's do it. <clears throat> die roll element of the show where we bring two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery to your attention. Typically, Brett has a couple. I have a couple. We have had an overwhelming response from listeners supplying information for die rolls. Brett and I kind of took it light this week. Brett's got one. I didn't have any because I wrote down, I think, Almost all the ones from the listeners. So, Brett, which yeah. one do you have this week? I have one that there there was a nuke that went missing from 1950. BBC has this, a nuclear weapon missing since 1950. Quote, may have been found. A commercial diver may have discovered a lost decommissioned U.S. nuclear bomb off the coast of Canada. Um, It's one of those things where, like, I didn't think that we lose nuclear bombs, really. I mean, now, granted, this I'm, I'm aware of that, but it's just interesting that there was a Loose nuke somewhere out there, and uh, hey, here it is. 
It's underwater. Sorry about that, well, Canada. That, Brett, you know about that now because the press finally got wind of it. But James Bond has been on that for the last six months. He's been tracking that, and he's been in the couple hideouts and everything, and tracking right, on a train. Point. I mean, good it's point. all it's all water water under the bridge now, or nukes under the water, whatever it is. Well, right. All right. But anyway, so my, my point for calling this out is not just the historical oddness of it, but it's this type of thing that when I read this, I'm like, oh, that's game material. Oh, that, that that's a plot line. Even if it's not like a James Bond over the top type of spy spy thing, it's <clears throat> it just goes to, oh, you know, that mythical, you know, Mace of St. Cuthbert that's been missing. Hey, guess what? Um, somebody found it <laughs> or somebody thinks they found the lost treasure map. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that it's a bit tropey, uh, especially in certain areas, but, or I should say in the fantasy world, but taking that and moving it into a Delta green game or a chain of command game saying, Hey, um, guess what? You special forces team, you're going over here. Why? Oh, this is why, um, we lost the shipment of X. Something happened. Sometimes there's snafus and guess what? We finally found out where it is. Um, go get it. It could be it could be fun, even like the uh, first Predator movie with Schwarzenegger, right? There's a cabinet minister who went missing. Go get it, and that's really not what it was. You know, it's it's a good ploy, if nothing else, to get things started. And uh, anyhow, so I read this and I immediately thought of gaming, of course, because that's what I do. Right. So I think these first two from listeners are the same one. So Hobbs uh, and James Carruthers talk about a mystery pinging sound coming from the Arctic sea floor. Well, that's my fault. Hobbs had posted that, and I did not see Crowther, so we doubled it on that one. But anyway, they both brought it to our attention. Well, there's something going on, and there always has been, I'm sure. My assumption is that someone has found the machine that goes, bing. You, you've seen Monty Python, right? Oh. The machine, the machine that goes, ping, when the woman's pregnant. Oh, so you have the machine that goes, ping. That's our most expensive machine. I see. Anyway, somebody out there listening to this is going to laugh. Oh, yes, the machine that goes, ping. Can I see my baby? No, you're not qualified. And then up with a bit. Anyway, it's a, it's fucking funny, is what it is. You need to see it. Well, anyway. I'm glad we're talking about Monty Python on our podcast and not in our role playing games, like anybody <laughs> else would ever do that. Yeah, I know. That's it's weird. The two don't normally go together. Anyway, uh, Victor Wyatt Game Anywhere Table Kickstarter as of November 10th has 22 days to go. So this is going to drop on. Well, it tells you when we're recording this, but that's not a secret. When is a week from two days ago? The 15th? Yes, the 15th. The 15th. It will have that many less days to go. But anyways, <laughs> you do the math. Um, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a portable table, gaming table. That's pretty wide. I mean, I like it. I'd love to fold it up and put it in my basement because I don't know if I'd be able to unfold it and put it anywhere. But you can get my, you can get uh, die, uh, die yeah. slide out cup holders and you can add die rollers yeah. or player screeny things between each other or something like that. I don't know. Interesting. I thought it was pretty cool. Very cool looking. You want to do uh, the first one for Azrael? Yeah, Azrael has uh, the big random D100 list of tavern drinks. There's a, pre -pr a free printable PDF form um, out there. We've got a link out too. It's um, <clears throat> Azrael's pointed a couple of listeners. I, th I know he's pointed out a couple of these to us before. I love these things. It's that um, random list of stuff here that you can get. Uh, what am I looking at? Like, uh, there's a drink, Old Stinky. They, it's uh, brown with floating debris. Um, just random things that could be that could be in a tavern. 
sometimes people are like, what do I have? I'll have an ale and uh, have just to have a table that says, oh, really? What kind of ale? It's a shitty bar. It's um, called Snake's Piss or whatever it is that you're serving. It could be. It's fun. I love these things. How come things, we so. didn't come up with that, Brett? I mean, we've been in enough bars and drank enough booze that we'd be able to come up with at least 100. We. It was probably a really good idea we had and then just kind of. Oh, we probably forgot about it because we were hammered when we came up with the idea. We may have had this idea at the game hole happy hour and just completely forgot about afterwards for all I know. Yeah, good point. That's quite possible. Good point. Um, Next one we have is a 300 free 3D printing minis, <clears throat> printable uh, minis. So Ezreal called this out to us. Um, basically, it's um, by Miguel Zavala. Yeah, Miguel Zavala. Um, yeah, it's if you've got a 3D printer, I'm looking at you, Bob Everson. Um, here's some goodies that you can uh, crank out some minis. So, Sean, I've talked about this before. When you talk about gaming and innovation type of thing, the 3D printer, man, when it comes to miniatures and modeling, I I'm not alone. I I believe Sean's with me on this, and a number of other people I know as well. At some point, folks at Games Workshop, they're not going to sell minis. They're going to sell a license to a number of prints. That's what you're going to get. And you're going to print the shit at home because it's just the better way to do it. And then we do have, Ezreal also has 400 new magic hey, hey, items. Hey, why don't, oh, sorry. Do, oh. hey, why don't you do the last one too, Brett? Oh, I, I thought there was hey, no, another one cool, after man. this. Yeah, I thought all. there was another one. No, go oh. ahead, man. It's all good. I feel bad. You just, hey, just take it all. I got it then. All, all right, right, I'm in. Okay, go ahead. 400 new magic items for D&D 5e is a Kickstarter by Paradigm Concepts, which has been funded. And we have a link to Enworld. Uh, Yes. Ian World. That's got some more details on it. Cool looking stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that, Sean. I thought there was another one after. No, that. hey, don't hey, don't, don't apologize, buddy. You just hog you just hog the spotlight. <sighs> it's like talking to my mom. Are you, you okay, mom? You need me to do something? No, that's fine. I'll just be here. That's fine. That's okay. No, that's good. You go do what you want. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That's excellent. All right. Well. Uh, if there's, if there's one thing we'd like you to do, what is that, Brett? I would like you and Sean would like you to tell someone about the show. When we were at Game Hole Con, one of the, the most fun things we get to do is not only interacting with all the cool BSers and folks we made friends with before and at other cons, but some of the new people, right? You get those people, as Sean said, who may be listening us to, to us for the first time. They may listen to us and go, oh my God, I don't like any of this. I'll never listen to it again. Totally fine. But um, the best way to spread the word about what we're doing and uh, what we're up to and help build the community, because honestly, that's one of the, that is the coolest thing that's happened since Sean and I have started this. Just the cool gamers that we get to run into at cons and hang out with and communicate with in our uh, in our uh, little community groups is is you guys, you, know, you men and women that get in there. So the more you tell, uh, the better gamers you bring into it. The hey, the more fun we're gonna have. Yeah, that's right, Brett. What are we talking about next week? I think we're going to talk about gods. Gods. That's what we're going to talk mm. about. That's what I'm thinking of talking about. Dogs. Dogs. If you're dyslexic or whatever. But anyway, um, that, well, that sounds horrible. Now I probably just offended somebody who's dyslexic and I did not mean to do well, that. Well, you know, knock people for their learning disability. It's par for the course, Brett. Oh, my God. I'm a jackass, aren't I? Yeah, Any, we're just going to uh, yeah. get sued into oblivion. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I just I steal Sean's thunder earlier. I talked too damn much. And now I have insulted listeners. Aces. Anyway, the, uh, the, the point is I want to talk about gods and role-playing games. So that's what we're going to ramble about next time. My apologies. I, I feel like I need to apologize. Great. Well, and then Sean's looking at me like my mother would look at me. Like, yes, you damn well need to. What the fuck is going on here, dude? I'm sorry. 
Anyway. Well, that has been another episode <laughs> of Gaming and BS. Oh, thanks, Sean. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. We'd like to thank the patrons that made this show possible. Starting off with Christian Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason Blaylock, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Mirko Froelich, Wayne Lumron, Hunter Humphrey, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Tony Baker, Pierre Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Eileen Barnes, Chad Knight, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Nicholas Abruzzo, and Victor Wyatt. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you.